Can I say I won't give it up? Jeff Oakletree, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good to be here. Nice. Good to see you, man. I, uh, I think you have a really cool last name. Do you know any of the history behind your last I name? I know it. Um, it uh, uh, hails from the, the great land of Scotland. Okay. But, and they're at, there's actually a, an Oakletree village in Scotland, and, but they pronounce it O'Shelltree. Oh, yeah, fancy. That's all I know. Okay, so your what your your dad's side came from Scotland or no? I I don't know which side came um, from uh, that that part of the world. I know that my uh, my dad's side was uh, my dad's side's from like West Virginia, so they're just huh. a bunch of you know mining hicks and yeah <laughs> yeah. And my mom is from um, um, Chicago, huh. so. Um, I'm not really sure what yeah. side of the family it Got comes you. from. So, and I and I didn't, I, I did one of those DNA tests, you yeah, know, a couple of years back, and kind of, and it showed a lot of my, um, whatever you want to call it, kind of you comes from, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Yeah, it, but you grew up out here, born and raised. Yeah. Born and raised. Mm-hmm. Now, not many people can say that. No, we're kind of a dying breed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I still get people to this day ask, you know, saying like, "Oh my God, I've never made a native before." Yeah. That's, that's how much of a melting pot Arizona has it, come, yeah, or become. So, but um, um, yeah, I went to uh, Saguaro for a couple of years for like my freshman and my sophomore year, and then I moved out to the west side of town and went to North Canyon. To, yeah, my last couple of years, and uh huh. Yeah, do you know what what brought your your parents out here? I know that um, my, that's a great question. I, I don't. Um, I know that my, my grandfather from my father's side of the, uh, um, father's side was a, uh, um, uh, he was a, a coal miner. Huh. And um, uh, it got hard on his lungs, obviously, and sure. things like that. So um, when they moved out here, they originally moved to Flagstaff. Okay. And my dad went to high school out there and stuff like that. So I think the cold just got to him a little yeah. bit too much. And, yeah. and uh, the, the higher altitude. Mm. Um, my grandfather uh, ultimately died from emphysema and things Whoa. like that. So we always had, ever since I was a kid, I can remember he always had trouble you know, breathing and things mm. like that. So... I think that's what ultimately led them here to Phoenix, mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. the drier climate and things like that, lower yeah. altitude. Sure. Not exactly sure why um, my uh, um, maternal grandparents moved to Arizona. Huh. So yeah, um, interesting. I don't recall I, having that conversation having with that them. Discussion. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a lot of music in your family? Well, my my mom and my dad met in the uh, their church choir. Uh-huh. I guess I was just destined to be a singer, even though that was like the last thing I started doing. Um, but nobody from either side plays any instruments huh. whatsoever, and I'm a drummer first and foremost. That's my main instrument. Oh. so my my dad bought me my first drum kit, you know, when I was like ten years old because he noticed. I was always tapping on, you know, yeah. tabletops and things like that. I was taking brand new pencils, you know, out of the box yeah. and setting up my mom's Tupperware and sure. pots and pans and stuff like that. I just, I loved it. So, you know, um, I have to ultimately thank my dad for noticing that yeah. and, and investing in, in a, my very first drum kit. Well, do you so, remember what the kit was? Yeah, it was a black Yamaha. I don't know what series it was, but... Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and this is how my, my mom ultimately got on my bad side for, for a long time <laughs> is because, uh, as much as my mom thought that I was good at it and, uh, was, you know, talented in that retrospect, but my mom was also a single mother. My, you know, my folks divorced when I was, I think six, my brother's about two and a half years younger than me. And so being a full-time working single mother and stuff like yeah. that. I know that this time of the year around Christmas can be difficult and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. um, <laughs> without my consent or my knowledge, I came home one day and my drums were gone. She decided to sell the drum kit, wow. uh, in order to afford uh Christmas presents for my brother and I. And I think I got like a brand new red huffy bicycle huh. out of it. Uh huh. Huh. And I'd much, you know, to this day, I would have rather had the drum kit yeah, than a sure. new bicycle. But right, um, right, you know, Crazy. it is what it is. You don't, you don't really realize the sacrifices that your parents have to make until you have kids of your own. Right. So, right, and that's one of the reasons why I'm bald to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four of them all together. Yeah. So well, and and what was the music that that was then inspiring to you as a young drummer? Oh gosh, man, so many different genres. I think that's one of the the reasons why my song list is so diverse and so mm -hmm. big is because um, uh, my mom had pretty much full custody of my my brother and I so uh, we saw our dad every other weekend but um, we were still I was still influenced by a lot of music um, my mom listened to a lot of contemporary pop at the time mm -hmm. and R&B Michael Jackson Aretha Franklin uh, uh, the Commodores Lionel Richie mm -hmm. that Lionel Richie was actually my first comp a concert that my mom oh, took wow. me to that's pretty good Tina Turner actually opened up for him so Whoa. it was yeah it just shows how old I am <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, uh, then my dad hipped me to a lot of uh, jazz and um, fusion jazz country uh, even some of the blues and mm -hmm. stuff and then um, as I got older my my aunt and uncle corrupted me with all the great classic rock bands like nice. Rush and Yes and yeah. Zeppelin and all those greats. Awesome. And so that was all kind of swirling around and, and you had this natural proclivity to the drums and to rhythm. Yeah. You had the drum set. You lost the drum set. Now what? I ended up getting uh, my second drum set um, when I was probably around the age of 14. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an old... Man, I wish I still had it. It was an old... Um, uh, Ludwig Vistalite mm. kit, the mm. old acrylic shells. Yeah, sure. And it was that that smoky gray kind of color. So they didn't look like acrylic drums. Uh -huh. um, you could barely see through them. Um, and th those things were freaking cannons, man. The kick drum was like 24 inches by yeah. like 16. And I think it was like a 12 13 uh rack tom then the floors were like 16 and 18 so Whoa. it was just huge Beefy. huge huge like bottom style <laughs> right kit. right that thing was loud as f man <laughs> seriously it was it was loud um so did you set did you set it up in your mom's house yeah 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 so did you have a basement no so you're just Bas there's basements are really hard to find around true. here in arizona that's true um for a while my mom when she remarried she moved to uh wisconsin i stayed here i visited um where back there back east they have basements and stuff mm -hmm. like that so mm -hmm. it would have been perfect place to set right. the drums up you know right. and, and 
still keep everyone else in the house somewhat sane. Right, right. But um, yeah, it was, I'd set them up right in my bedroom, man. Mm-hmm. And it was just, that's what I did. Any mm-hmm. chance I could get. And I'd literally put the headphones on and rock out to all my favorite yeah. you know, stuff, which 90% of the time it was typically Rush. Rush yeah. was, had a big influence on me. Yeah. Neil Peart, I mean, yeah. he's just an absolute... Yeah. genius yeah. <laughs> but but a lot of other artists you know uh and drummers influenced me as well did you years. did you do like the school band thing i did yeah yeah i did marching band yeah uh when i was in middle school yeah um and um concert band and that sure. that sort of thing yeah um not very much of it but a little bit yeah just to get a little taste of it sure did you do the college thing did you no no um i never went to college um i barely made it through high school um, uh, but I, I just, uh, I don't know, man. School yeah. is not my thing. Not your thing. No, call it my ADHD or whatever, but I'm yeah. just not good at paying attention, man. I was a big time, um, daydreamer in school uh-huh. and I was always daydreaming about music. Yeah. You know, being in the big lights on stage and things like that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I could give two shits about school. Right, right. <laughs> the majority of the time I was actually ditching and going across the street and smoking and listening <laughs> to my Walkman. <laughs> so, all right. So what happens after high school? How does, how does the music career kind of develop from there? Um, <clears throat> uh, after high school, I did like the typical band thing, you know, you do with your homies in high school and stuff. I did that for a while. And, um, and then I, I moved in with my my um, my maternal uh, grandparents and uh, my mom's mom and dad, and I lived with them for probably a, a good four or five years. You know, mm-hmm. this was after shortly after my mom and my brother moved to Wisconsin after mm-hmm. my mom remarried, and um, uh, my grandparents were extremely supportive of what I did, even though I you know I worked you know dead-end jobs and things like that i i found myself i wasn't really working um with music at the time Mm -hmm. but i felt like that was that was my time that i prepared Mm. um i would literally lock myself in my bedroom and and shed and shed yeah Mm -hmm. and i didn't have a drum kit at that time that was when i just started getting into guitar Mm. because i lived with my um my my father's mom and dad before I started, before I moved in with my mom's mom and dad, they're, they're a little bit different. I wasn't as close with them as I am my mom's, um, or I was my mom's mom and dad. They were uh, very, very Southern Baptist, hmm. very, very, um, there was just no way in hell they were going to let me play drums hmm. in the house. Hmm. I mean, and, um, the only time I really got to do anything, they had a little upright piano in their living room. And the only time I felt like I could really tinker on it was when they were at church, mm. you know, they're on the Wednesday night or, um, you know, Sunday morning or whatever, mm. or they went out grocery shopping and that was it. Um, so there was no way I was going to be able to play drums while living with them. So, um, they had a house over off of, uh, cave Creek and Greenway area. And I specifically remember at that time, acoustic guitar, the grunge scene was really in. Mm-hmm. Acoustic guitar was like the instrument to play, you know. Mm. And so a lot of my friends in high school played guitar. So this is early 90s then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, early 90s. And um, I, they lived right behind this little strip center right off of Cave Creek. And there was a pawn shop 
in that strip center where I bought my very first Yamaha acoustic and it was actually a 12 string mm. and we were selling it for like 150 bucks or something like that. Real, real cheap Yamaha acoustic. Um, so I took six of the 12 strings off and just learned on that and mm. made it a standard six string. And mm. that's how I learned. And man, between my, my friends showing me a lot of the chords and things like that and me just tinkering around on it my, myself, I, I picked it up really, really quick. And me being a drummer, the rhythmic right. aspect, you know, aspect of it came pretty naturally. So, right. Right. Yeah. So when were you like working in, were you playing in like in bars and venues? No, not and... at that time. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, at that time I was 16, 17. So I, I you know, I was like just hanging out with friends and, yeah. and working as like a, you know, a busser and mm-hmm. bussing tables over at Valley Luna at the time. <laughs> and that was it, you yeah. know? And, uh, it's like, during that time, like when you're that age, it's like your friends are everything and, right. and you know, you don't want anything else. And, and that's all you do. You just hang with your friends and yeah, uh, play music when you can. And... When, so you said that the first concert was Lionel Richie yeah. and, uh, Tina Turner, mm-hmm. so you're playing, you have a drum kit, you know, you're, you're, you're playing, you're learning guitar. When did it all kind of come together for you as like a possibility to, to be a professional musician? Um, through the years and through, uh, over time through my twenties and things like that, I was still working a lot of dead end jobs. I connected, I started playing in, um, uh, worship teams, mm. uh, with the, with the church and things like that. <clears throat> Uh, so I got pretty familiar with playing here and playing there and meeting different people. And you and I both know that within this industry, it's about who you know. It's all right. about making connections and things mm-hmm. like that. Eventually, I found my way into the studio cutting tracks for different artists and stuff like that around town. Um, I what hope, studio? Just people's home studios mm-hmm. and things like Nothing really to write home about mm-hmm. um, until... Um, there's a local producer here. I'm sure a lot of a lot of us musicians know who he is. His name's Billy Smiley. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met him or not. I haven't. He um, kind of co-founded um, a Christian rock band called Whiteheart. I think. I think Whiteheart is that. Hmm. I think that's their name. Whiteheart. Yeah. Anyways, kind of sounds like, like a Christian rock Christian band. rock band. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was doing uh, a project. Whiteheart. White. I mean, the more. Whiteheart. <laughs> yeah. More, the more I think about it, it's yeah. like, well, maybe that, that name didn't age too yeah. well. You yeah. know what I mean? No, oh, man. Like, think of it like Striper. Remember <laughs> right. Striper? Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the spandex mm-hmm. and the mustaches with the mullet. Yeah. That's, that's a, about the that's, that's about a, the era. That's a good look. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming back. <laughs> it's coming back. So um, I was doing a, um, a friend of mine that I went to church with at the time and I was in a kind of like a youth group with, um, decided he was going to, um, he was working on some of his own original, uh, contemporary Christian stuff, which was actually really, really cool. Um, this producer, Billy Smiley found him and wanted to invest in him and, uh, do a project for him. Next thing I know, I'm being contacted by my buddy. He's like, hey, we have an opportunity to actually fly to Nashville and cut this record. Hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of the studio at the time. It was so long ago. Um, the the Bennett House. Hmm. I don't think it's there anymore. It's where Mute Math used to record. Hmm. Um, anyway, so that's how I met Billy. We went to go track the album. I think we did 10, 
10 to 12 cuts or whatever. And then, um, made my way back home. Next thing I know over time, Billy's calling me up, really likes the way I play. It's like, Hey, I want to, I'd like to bring you, I got this project I'm working on again in Nashville. I'd love to fly you out, pay you for your time for the weekend. Shortly after that, I, I would go out to Nashville, maybe like three or four times a year doing mm. that. Mm. And, um, uh, I, by doing that, I eventually met Dave Ellison, the bass player for Megadeth. Mm. And Whoa. yeah, so he was bringing Dave and I both out, you know, Dave would cut bass and, and I would do the drugs. What kind we were of, like, was this still Christian? Music? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. So that Billy's kind of like, a. Uh, he, he does both Christian, contemporary Christian stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, original singer-songwriter stuff. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the a couple of the artists. He's, and, uh, anyway, it doesn't make any difference. There's a lot of different local artists around here and around mm-hmm. town that have worked with them and stuff. So, but, um, and at that, around that time is when I started kind of dabbling in studio stuff and kind of accumulating gear, microphones, mm-hmm. outboard gear and things like that. Um, that's gotta be exciting though, as a, as a, as a kid to go out to Nashville and to be a part of that and and learn firsthand studio approach and, you know, the whole thing, managing that experience. I mean, and just being a part of, I mean, you know, that's like going to Nashville and recording like that's great. Yeah. I mean, mean, you're, you're thinking, yeah, you're on the plane going, I can't believe I'm actually getting paid to fly to Nashville and play drums. Right. You know, I mean, I could get used to this. Right. Exactly. So, and the more and more I did it, the more and more I made connections. And then I eventually built my um, home recording studio. I convinced Mm -hmm. my wife at the time, my first wife, to um, basically transform our two garage, two car garage into a, a recording studio. And when was this? What year was this? Oh my gosh. This was like early 2000. Okay. Um, and uh, let's see, we, I think we bought our home. Yeah. It's like 2002, 2003. I, th- uh, I don't remember yeah. exactly. Um, but, um, yeah, I her to do that. And, uh, a good buddy of mine, Kevin Rowe, um, helped me, uh, with a lot of the, the framing and things like that. But cool. We, we framed it out, built a room within a room and completely soundproofed it oh, and everything wow. like that. Yeah. Um, now how do you deal, how did you deal with the heat? A lots of insulation, oh, really? <laughs> lots of insulation. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, eventually had to, um, tap into the AC duct right. work and to get AC right. in there. Yeah. So, um, thankfully the AC unit was in the attic right above the studio oh, over the garage. So, yeah. Um, it was really easy to get a little extra air sure. in there. So, yeah, I'm just thinking like cutting in the summer in a garage and Phoenix. Bro, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean. yeah, it's rough. Um, but you know, with, uh, you know, we did it right. You know, we mm-hmm. took our time with it and, uh, put in the proper insulation and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. And, and you were cutting your own stuff at that time or other people? I was producing cutting or? more, more, I was doing more of the, um, producer type of thing. Mm -hmm. I was helping a lot of people with their music. A lot of, uh, artists that would come in, um, kind of maybe, maybe kind of knew how to play one instrument, whether it was guitar, whether it was keys or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they were more of kind of like a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, so they would come in, want to have a basic idea of 
you know, what the, how they want the song to go. And mm-hmm. that would basically kind of help them with gotcha. the structure of the song. Instrumentation. Re- instrumentation, yeah, correct. And then obviously recording it as mm-hmm. well. So wow. yeah. Like a one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's hip. I, I did more of that than the actual band thing. I think I recorded a couple of rock bands, but mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. was it. The majority of it was a lot of that singer-songwriter kind of being, you know, mm-hmm. all in it. Right, so, right. And, and did it become... With, did that then become like your primary yes. work? I mean, I was fortunate yeah. enough to um, to quit my my day job. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I was a bill collector at the time. <laughs> yes, you I was that. I was that everything. guy. Yeah. yeah, I was that guy. <laughs> but I, you know, I'll tell you one thing: it really helped kind of develop a thicker skin because yeah. as you go into work every day and you're used to people just ripping you up one side and down the other, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. dude just pay your bill i wouldn't have to call you <laughs> anyways but um i was very very excited and very very willing to give up that job and yeah and uh, do the studio full time and i did it for about four years until wow. um my wife and i had our falling out and we went through a divorce and stuff like that uh long story short um had to i had to move out of the house but i was fortunate enough to keep my gear mm. So we never, it never went to court or anything like that. We mm. didn't have kids together. So it was a really, really easy mm-hmm. separation. So, um, she's like, I'll take the house. You just take your stuff and, you know, a few pieces of furniture and mm. figure it out. Mm. So, um, that ultimately led me to, um, teaming up with a guy that I met through Billy Smiley. No, 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 not Billy Smiley. Um, um, I started gigging with this guy shortly after, um, shortly after my divorce, I moved out. I didn't have a place to record mm. and I met this, this gentleman. I can't remember why I met him through, but anyways, um, he owned a company out on the, uh, the east side of town over in North Scottsdale. And part of the building was, f- uh, like national laser Institute or something like that. It's mm. where a lot of girls go to school to learn, um, uh, beauty stuff. Or, yeah, but, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. For, for, uh, for a better word. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but the other half was, uh, <laughs> beauty, <laughs> beauty, beauty school, <laughs> two dudes trying to destroy. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Learn beauty. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All that laser, like gotcha. laser hair removal and, gotcha. and estheticians. There you are. That's what they are. Nailed it. Mm. <laughs> Anyways. But, uh, <laughs> The other part of it, which was polar opposite side of the 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 laser industry, was it was a recording studio and a mm. video studio. They had a was this out by the air park yep. out there? Aluma, yeah, Aluma Studios. Do yeah. you remember it? I, well, I, I I it rings a bell. I yeah. I never worked there, but I remember hearing about a studio in an air. Park. Yeah, they had a, a great big big live room where they did a lot of uh, you know they had a psych wall and things like that where they did a lot of video and photography. Um, that was where I tracked my drums. They had a separate vocal booth. They had the control room, obviously, with the full Pro Tools rig and um, the whole nine yards. And it was it was very, very convenient. So I worked out a deal with uh, the guy at the time. And I'm just like, hey, let's just, I can help you bring in clientele. And whatever I bring in, you know, we'll just, I'll, I'll split it with you down the middle, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So obviously kind of like this is... <laughs> my right. <laughs> means of basically using your facility because right. before that it was just sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, and were you able to then incorporate all your gear or what happened yeah, to the gear? I did. I yeah. was able to incorporate all my gear, um, until, and, that, um, I ended up 
meeting uh, a mutual friend of the guy that I, that owned the studio, and I you might know him, Miles David Lansett. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so that's how I met Miles. Okay, was through uh, Matt Gould is his name. Okay, he was the guy that owned Aluma Studios. He introduced me to Miles gotcha. and literally took me down there to Studio Five. Yeah. Oh, and, in the church there. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, no, not in the church. It was in the school. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. The school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the old, the old school. So um, and it was like the old band room or something yeah. like that. That um, was a cool space, though. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, very vibey. But um, he took me down there, and and that's when I met Adam Armijo as well. And ah. Armijo was actually there cutting some tracks on guitar. Okay. So I met, got to meet both of them at that time. Long story short, ended up moving my gear from Aluma over to Studio Five and being um, Miles's uh, engineer, mm-hmm. studio guy. So, mm-hmm. and then I ultimately ended up gigging with him. I was just going to say, didn't you play with him as well? Yeah, yeah. He's he. We did a lot of duo stuff together. Uh, he was more of a drummer slash vocalist, right? And so he played a lot of like uh, cajon and things like that. Um, and sang, and then I just did the acoustic guitar, a lot of looping, and then you know did some some yeah. background vocals and stuff for him, and that's ultimately what got me into gigging because that wow. became my bread and butter. Since the studio thing wasn't really panning out, it was nice here and there, but my the bread and butter ended up turning into gigging mm-hmm. for a living. So, um, and that's over the years, I I made a lot of contacts through working with miles even though we had our differences and mm-hmm. separated but um yeah and that's what i've been doing ever since well and it's tough man it it you know on the outside it looks really easy you just get together with your buds and and you make music but but it's a marriage you know and very it, much and so much has to align um for it to work and to, and yeah. to, and to stay together you know and and as soon as you add some money Okay, now it gets you know it gets a little dicey. Can get right. dicey. Did you? So all right. So I don't think I ever saw that duo. But weren't you a part of the full band as well, or yeah. was that a different? So different you're familiar player? with um, uh, Center Stage at yeah. the Hyatt. So when I was with Miles, Miles is the one that made that happen. Yeah, um, he convinced the Hyatt to create this whole space mm. for him. At the time, it was just it was me. Alex Kine on mm-hmm. bass and Ted Belladin on keys and sax and Miles on his mm-hmm. little cocktail kit. Yeah, yeah. And um, they built the stage and the whole nine yards. Put, put the whole like PA this, in. Yeah, yeah, multi, you know, yeah. ha- half, a, <laughs> half a million dollar yeah. sound system in there and yeah. with like more speakers than the place needs. Yeah. But, um, and that was, that was kind of our... Our thing every mm. weekend we were kind of like the house band yeah and then that's when um yeah and so yeah that's yeah. <laughs> i spent a lot of time there yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah we still play there you yeah know, to this day yeah i don't really play on at center stage much anymore um um but i do do some corporate events there and some weddings from time to time so yeah and when did you kind of break out and start to do your own thing um, Miles and I had, um, always had our, di- I mean, speaking of relationships, my God, <laughs> that was one where, uh, it was, it was, it was bad. It yeah. got, it got like towards the end. It was, it was bad. Pretty toxic yeah, and very, very toxic. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to share my thoughts on him as a person, but, um, you know, in some ways I can, I'm, I'm grateful for him for 
those mm-hmm. contacts and mm-hmm. meeting those people. And he kind of helped me get on the scene mm-hmm. here, uh, you know, locally as a gigging musician. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I do have to tip my hat to him mm-hmm. a little bit, but as far as relationships go and friendships go, um, that bridge was burned a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, so when we had our falling out, that's when I just, I, I started tapping into a lot of the resources that I had made through miles and, mm-hmm. um, started making calls. I'm like, Hey, I'm not, um, actually, you know, who gave him my first big break was, uh, um, uh, drummer, uh, uh Italian dude. Um, Oh, uh, wait, Mike, not, uh, Florio, Florio. Yes. <laughs> I haven't, I I haven't seen it. him. In, I haven't, it's been a few minutes since, I, since I I've seen him, it. but I love Mike. Yeah. He's yeah. so freaking funny. <laughs> He got me in. He's like, hey, man, because he, of course, everyone knows Miles. So, and word gets around quick in this town. So, it's like, he called me up. And at the time, he was booking um, Desert Mountain uh-huh. up yeah. north. Yeah. And you played there before. The Apache oh, the yeah. Apache Grill Bar, whatever you want to yeah. call it for all the gray hairs. But Oh, my God. Blue, <sighs> blue hairs. Blue hairs, yeah. <laughs> blue hairs that have so much money that they don't even know what to do yeah it's disgusting but um so yeah he's like hey man you want to i'm booking this place you want to you want to do the solo thing and i could even play with you i'll play percussion or whatever and he did man we had so much freaking fun back there in the corner behind the piano just (laughs) laughing no yeah and and but I did. I paid attention to him because he was making me laugh my ass off the entire night, but he's just a great dude. I, I I miss him. I haven't seen him in in quite some time. Yeah. Um, I, last time I saw him was, I think last year we had some coffee, met up for coffee, but yeah. So, and that's, that's how the whole solo thing started, you know? And then, you know, word gets around and this person that used to, I used to work with when I was with miles heard about it. And, you know, over time I'm, I'm just doing the solo thing, man. I'm just doing yeah. it. So, yeah. and every year has been progressively better and better and better. And it's just, I'm so blessed, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are so blessed yeah. to be able to do what we do for a living. Yeah. It's possible. And, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that we talk about this on the podcast, but it just, it just still amazes me that there's so much work. If, if you want to work 10 shows a, a week, you can, mm-hmm. if you, I mean, you know, and, and there's not a lot of competition within the group, right? right? I feel like we're all pulling for the same thing. And it's like, I, I, I shudder to think about, you know, the making it in Los Angeles or New Oof, York where yikes. the stakes are much higher right. and it's a little bit more cutthroat, but this, I really feel, and I truly believe that it's it, this community, the musician community uh, is tight and and you know we, we don't get to see each other that often because you're a very busy man right. and I'm doing things and but we're always swinging for the for the same shit you know and and supporting each other absolutely and that's one one of the things I've I've always um, loved most about the musician community here mm-hmm. in in Phoenix and Scottsdale is that the it's like it's just I don't know it's a, it's a it's a band of brothers and sisters man mm-hmm. it's like we all have each other's back. You know, just like from time to time and we need a sub, you right. know, like we have that 16 yeah. person right. group text thread that right. we text out. And it's just amazing how quickly everyone, even if they can't do it, yeah, you know, sorry, bro, I'm booked or whatever. Or, oh, yeah, I'll take it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of those L.A. cats are even coming here for right. work right. because it's such slim pickings out there. Yeah. And, the, and the gigs out there don't pay shit right. compared to what they pay here. Right. 
So, right. but that's one of the things that I've always admired about everyone here is everyone's been super cool. Yeah. No one's been, it's not like this dog eat dog kind right. of right. industry. You know, it's very much, we all work together. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, it's one of the things about, one of the great things about working for yourself is that right. you can make your own hours, you know, mm-hmm. it depends on how much you want to work. Right. You know, me, I kind of, uh, I, do half and half. I'm like half family, half, half work. I don't want to, I don't even like doing doubles anymore. Yeah. I'm getting to the point being 46, man. I can't, I just can't do it anymore. (laughs) I'm too old, bro. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I get it on a level, but yeah, I'm with you, man. And I don't even like playing four hours anymore. mm -hmm. I want to play three and it's like, that's it, homie. I'm going home, bro. I know. (laughs) And there was a time where, and, uh, you know, I see our good friend, Miguel, uh, Mel goes, uh, I see his schedule and it's like freaking Monday through Sunday, bro. Right. And it's, and, and there's a, even a couple of doubles in there. I'm just yeah. like, I, I, I get it. You don't yeah. have any kids. You're single. I get right. it. But dude, you're going to burn yourself out. I know. You're going to end I up know. getting sick and things like that. Right. Take some time, take a day, at yeah. least one day. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, a bunch of, ca- a bunch of cats in this town are, are, are pulling that yeah. schedule consistently. And I, I, I mean, I remember Lee Pereira is another yep. great one. He, he, used, he doesn't do it so much anymore, but right. yeah. yeah, no, it's they're out there hustling, man. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. I mean, even if I was single without any kids, I still don't think I could do that. <laughs> no. I, I need, I need a day or yeah. at least two to myself to yeah. get some shit done around the house, you know, Agreed. yeah, yeah. I do some laundry from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that trash ain't going to take itself out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> let's take uh, let's take a short little break, but we'll cool. be right back. Thanks, man. Is that is I'm on fire? Is that the last 
thing you released? Um, it was the... I released two the same the same day. So it was mm-hmm. I'm on Fire, by, which is a uh, um, uh, Bruce Springsteen cover, and then Free Falling with mm-hmm. Tom Petty. So. What is your connection to I'm on Fire? Is it just something that was kind of in the repertoire for, for a number of years? Or? It, it was. Um, I've always been a fan of the um, of Springsteen's original version. I always thought it was... I'm not a big Springsteen fan, mm. but he has a, a, like maybe a half a dozen songs or so that are just really like really really good mm-hmm. and as i've gotten older i've learned to appreciate him even more yeah but um um john mayer did a version of hmm. uh, i'm on fire uh i think that was um it was off of uh was it heartbreak or battle studies that album okay. yeah sure um and i'm like that's freaking badass hmm. so i kind of it's kind of more more along the lines of john mayer's version hmm. um but i I, you know, it's not exactly the way he did it. So, mm-hmm. are you a Mayer fan? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how you can be a how you could a songwriter and, <laughs> right. and it's like you want to hate him, but you can't, right? Because everything he does is just it turns to freaking gold. Yeah, I know. But um, yeah, yeah, I, just, I dig it. Tell me the the process of of recording that song. Um, is it you all over? I mean, like you're playing yeah. the drums, you're doing the background vocals, you're doing all the guitars. And yeah, the Every, and, everything. It's kind of you know the one man Jeff Ogletree band mm-hmm. um, and you cut it all at home I cut it all at home yeah mm. sounds uh, great thanks man yeah thank you yeah yeah I, I, I love doing that kind of stuff I've always had an ear for mixing and dialing shit in and yeah and um, getting tones <laughs> I was I was wondering when Christopher Walken was <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Christopher Walken. <laughs> so yeah, so when I did um I'm on fire. It's a very, very great song. Anyways, but no, uh yeah, I did I did everything, cut everything on it, you know. Yeah. Like <laughs> like the old saying goes, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Right. right. But uh How no, there is there is an advantage to playing with uh, other musicians sure. and stuff like that. But yeah, you know. There's also a budget involved when right. you do things like that. Now, how did you? How did it start? Did you start with guitars and then and then do the drums, or how, how did that? How did that play out? Just so typically, um, uh, typically I start with a a scratch acoustic rhythm part and mm-hmm. a scratch vocal, along with the click. Mm-hmm. I'll figure out the beat per minute that I want to you know record it at, um, and even then, after it's all done, I can still change the you know, the tempo of it without affecting the pitch of hmm. the, the music, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's incredible this day and age, what you can do with a lot of the technology for recording. But, um, so I'll do that. And then, um, uh, I play back that and I, that's where I track the drums. Mm-hmm. Now, when I recorded, I'm on fire and, um, uh, free falling, I didn't have the capability to do more than, uh, cut two tracks at once. Hmm. So I had one of those little um, Universal Audio Apollo Twin mm-hmm. interfaces. Mm-hmm. It literally has two combo jacks right. on the back, and then it's got a high Z input for uh, guitar or whatever in the front. So with, that only allowed me to do you know one channel for acoustic, one channel for vocals, and then so what I had to do is when I perform live, I play through a, um, a QSC Touch Mix mm-hmm. eight eight channel one one of the great things about that board and i can't speak highly enough about it i love that freaking mixer um is that you can record off of it Hmm. um 
there's, there's a USB slot for a drive in the back. You just plug in a USB drive. Interesting. And and away you go. So basically, what I did is I took that stereo mix of the with, drums of the drums or, or the um, the guitar and the vocal okay. and the click out of my interface into wow into the, the touch mix, mix. right. Wow. And that's where I had all um, crazy uh, eight channels of my my drums plugged right. into that. So you almost submix the drums. Yeah, absolutely. To but, the, to the scratch. No, because one of the great things about this mixer is that you can actually export the tracks individually. Huh. So you can have okay. a track for your kick drum, a track for your snare, a track for t- each tom, things like that. Wow. So if it was submixed, it would, unfortunately, it would be just <clears throat> a I stereo see. drum mix, and you can't right. really. You got to really, really know what you're doing to mm-hmm. do that. So mm-hmm. you got it's got to be spot on. Right. Otherwise, it's not going to work. But right. um, and I, I didn't want to do that. So I knew that, that I could get away with doing that on the touch mix. And ultimately, wow. now I've got a bigger interface, which allows me to do everything at once. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, does, it does sound great. And you showed me a picture of the studio. And you're definitely a gear guy. M- very much. And, and how did that start? I mean, like... I don't know, man. I, um, I, it's really hard. And um, my wife can attest to this because, like... She calls me the uh, uh, the wheeling and dealing guy because I'm always buying shit, figure out, figuring it out, thinking that it works for me, buying it, figuring out that it doesn't work for me, and then reselling it uh-huh. on Reverb or whatever. So I'm always I'm always buying this. So if you ever want to know anything about any kind of piece of gear, yeah. just give me a call. Okay, <laughs> especially if it relates to guitars or studio or whatever, yeah. just give me a call. My number is six. <laughs> um, uh, but. Um, yeah, it, it does. Um, the price gets up there, and yeah. I find myself investing in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, drums are expensive, <clears throat> guitars are expensive. You know, yeah. studio equipment's ex- expensive. But yeah. um, I remember when I first started my studio, I, was, I thought that the more gear I had, the cooler it would look. Well, mm. at the time, <laughs> what? What more, like, bigger bang for your buck could you get than buying nothing but Behringer stuff? <laughs> yeah, big mistake. So <laughs> I, I remember quite fondly when I, when I bought my very first Class A mic preamp, the difference in <laughs> sound quality was night and day. <laughs> night and day. And I believe to this day, like, if you want, when it comes to um, um, music gear and things like that, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You just do. I don't know why that is, but well, and and this kind of gear obsession has also now translated into your live performance. Yes. Tell me, you know, I, I've seen some of your live streams. I, I've seen uh, sometimes you'll 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 Facebook live a, a gig. Yeah. And you're you have a lot going on. So I was just wondering if you could tell us your rig. Yeah, I used when down. I when I first started doing the solo thing. Uh, a lot of my looping was pretty minimal, and um, and I found myself. I, I I stood, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I was always standing. The more and more I got into it, the more and more my back started to go out because I was putting. I always I was always putting my weight mm. on my left leg because right. I, my right was always controlling all of the buttons on my pedal board. Right. So um, over the years, I've, I think I've been sitting down now for the past four or five years mm. because I've got so much of a tap dance going on. Yeah, you really do on my pedal board. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's nuts, and I try not to make it 
too difficult because I've always been a fan of like less is more yeah. as well. Um, but I also love the accompaniment, yeah. you know, and sure. it, it, it's, if you're not paying attention, you'll think I'm, I'm using tracks, right. which I'm not, you know, right. and some people have come up to me like, where are you playing your tracks from, dude? I'm like, I'm not playing tracks. Yeah. Everything is being looped live. Yeah. And then they're like, no freaking way. Yeah. Like, well, we, aren't you watching my feet, dude? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's more going on down here than there right. is up here. Right. Do so, you think, do you think that, that sitting affects how you sing? Does it, do you? F- I don't think so. No. Um, I, bad backs seem to run in my, both <laughs> my mm. mom's side and my dad's side of the family. So I, uh, I can't stand for very long before mm. my back starts saying, dude, sit down. Mm. So I've just become accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just feel I'm more relaxed when I'm sitting down hmm. and I feel like I can, um, I don't know. It helps me, um, breathe better, hmm. sing better because hmm. you know, I'm more relaxed. Hmm. So, and, and break down the, the gear that you're using. Cause I'm hearing there's like some vocal harmonization mm-hmm. stuff. There's obviously some guitar being looped. And what and, and in those settings, are you playing an acoustic guitar or is it an electric guitar? It's a hybrid. It's both. Okay. So I have um, over the past several years, I've uh, accumulated um, several different hybrid guitars. But before I was using, I was bringing an acoustic and a separate electric to mm. the gig. And you know, after I got done doing all the looping on the acoustic, you, I'd switch. Yeah, I got both parts done. So I would grab the electric and then play electric over the top of it. Right. And, and I was only doing that for a few different songs, um, specifically like Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman, you know, to get blues guitar in right. there. Uh, Tennessee Whiskey for that riff in there as well. But um, Gravity was another one. Um, and that was about it. Hmm. Um, then I, I, I tried a couple different hybrid guitars, such as like the Taylor T5 and stuff, and I literally sent that back the same day that I got it because I just I couldn't dial it in I I think I pride myself more on making sure my mix and even even live uh, and all my tones are just dialed in Mm -hmm. right you know Um, so I spend more time doing that I Mm. mean I just got to start using my my big I call it the mothership my big huge pedal board uh, just last week because mm. I've I've spent like literally the last six months just fine tweaking things new gear learning how to use new gear getting mm. this to sync with that and mm. getting one controller to control them all wow. you know so everything's like dialed in for MIDI wow so I'm using a MIDI controller to control this control that and wow. this and it's all you know yeah like the tap dance but um um yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, so for, as far as gear goes, I'm using uh, the, the Quad Cortex uh, by Neural DSP. Um, it's kind of like one of those all-in-one units for guitar cabs and IRs and effects and things like that. That's mm-hmm. basically the foundation of my tone mm-hmm. for my guitar. Um, out of that, I think I have um, a reverb pedal. It's a Specular Tempest by GFI. Um, and then... Out of that, at the very end of the chain, after everything goes through my boomerang looper, um, uh, I have the vocal um, pedal mm-hmm. by TC Helicon. It's yep. the uh, the Harmony GXT. My signal runs through that, so which um, allows me to get my harmonies and stuff like that mm-hmm. on certain parts of the song. 
And since my guitar signal is going through that pedal, it knows what key I'm in. Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of sorcery they're using, but they've got it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Keyboarders can use it. So the guitar goes through the vocal harmonizer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whoa. Yeah. And it doesn't harmonize the guitar. No. Interesting. Yeah. That is some, that's some deep shit. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, but it's been, you know, uh, a, a great way to kind of make yourself sound bigger than just yeah. one, one person. I mean, yeah. and anyone can get up there with an acoustic guitar and, and sing, but you know, I, yeah. I've always wanted more than that. Mm. Um, and that's when I started doing a lot of the looping and stuff mm-hmm. and banging on my guitar to get the, like the rhythmic tones and stuff. Right. And now I've even amped that up a little bit. And now I've got this pedal by Singular Sound called the Beat Buddy, which are their actual live drum tracks, their drum loops that were actually recorded by drummers in the studio. And every kind of different genre you can think of, you can pick different drum kits, you can pick your tempo, you can pick if you want it shuffled or swung, you know. But how do you do that on the fly? Or do you, do you have like presets? You're like, all right, I'm doing. I do have I'm a few fire, presets, so yeah. So I know that like I want that kind of you know country train train, train kind of groove on the snare. So and there's a setting for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you want something in a, a blues kind of thing in in six eight, it's got that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I try not to do too much of it because I still want people to 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 know that I I can still just play guitar and right. vocals and just do that. So now, I, in any given night or in any given show, do you do that? Just vocal, one mm-hmm. vocal, one guitar, and then the next one you'll do yep. orchestral things, and then the next one you'll, you know. Yeah. So you kind of create, you're creating energy, you're removing energy, you're bringing it, you know. Right. I typically, um, I, I start out with a just a song with just guitar right. and vocals, and I because I don't, it took me a long time to, to recognize this, but a lot of the places that we play at, you can't go in there and make it about you and uh. hit them upside the head with, you know, decibels of volume and things like that. And <laughs> and since I've got drum accompaniment, you don't want to go in there and, you know, right. and just kill them with these huge drum sound. So I kind of wean them into it a little yeah. bit, you know. Yeah. So I'll start out with a song just on acoustic and vocal and then the next one. I might loop a little bit more of the acoustic with a little bit of percussiveness on the guitar. Yeah. And then I'll start bringing in the beat buddy with more of like a uh, percussive type of thing uh-huh. instead of like a full drum kit. Right. But yes, kind of ramp them up into it. Yeah. Get them used to it. That's fine. Bring it back down. Yeah. You know, you know, so. Yeah. Well, it sounds very intentional. Like you're very you're, much, you're looking at it almost, you know, yes, it's a performance, but in other words, you, you know, quite beyond that, you're, you're, you're creating, ebbs and flows of Mm -hmm. energy and you know you've been doing it so long that you you know a lot of what we do is reading the room right and what what are people engaging in and what are they not engaging in you Mm -hmm. know and so all right you know every night you're tailoring and you're fine-tuning and it is it's it's a a process so you got to be sensitive to Mm -hmm. because i i don't know about you but i I don't use a set list or anything like that unless i'm playing with the band which is very rare um but and you're right i just kind of go off what I feel right you know right I kind of read the room if everyone seems to be just having an intimate night out and it's right. very quiet I'll just keep it chill yeah but if there's a, like a nice buzz in the air yeah I'll keep it right you know right. pretty pretty upbeat and how like big that. is your song list do you think at this point uh and are you using like an iPad for lyrics yeah. and okay yeah my brain can't retain no, that mine much can't I, I can't do it I'm like lost well one night recently 
I couldn't get my iPad to work, and I nearly right? shit my pants. Right? I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Dude, I, I don't even know my own that's songs. That's why I backed up all my PDF files on Smart. my phone. Yeah, I need to do that. Yes, that I, that's happened to me before as well. It's like, I, was um, like oh, no. I can't get anything yeah. to load, and you are you're, you start to stress because... Yeah. I was it's stressed. a lot, man. You're yeah. trying to remember, you know, what key the song's in, right. the chords to play it, and you know, especially if you're doing looping and stuff, you got to figure out, you know, what's going on down below. And right. Right. it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's like doing, you know, the tapping on the head and rubbing the tummy at the same time. Right. Right. It's nuts. So but, how 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 many songs do you think you you have at any? I given would time? say to answer your question, there was um, maybe over three hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And yeah. I, I recently put that up on my website too because mm-hmm. I got so tired of playing the guessing game with people that would come up and ask if I knew this. And yeah. No, you know this. Yeah. No. No. Strike one. Strike two. Right. No. Right. Right. Like just go to my website. Just scan that. And I even made my own QR code. Oh, cool. Just scan that code. That will take you to my website. My song list is on my website. Uh-huh. Take whatever you want. That's good. <laughs> I like that yeah. approach. Yeah. Let's just. Let's just. Uh, yeah. I, I start. Cut I've, to the chase. I've. I've been saying lately, like, pick a decade. Yeah. Don't give me an artist. I a thousand percent don't know what this one random song that you want to hear, but say something from the seventies and, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, you know exactly. Yeah, exactly. The majority of the stuff that I I, I do is from that era, mm-hmm. you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, and then I do some country, I do some some Motown and R and B, and but I'm a, I'm a sucker for the eighties, so I do a lot of old 80s yeah. work and tears for fears and yeah. shit like that so no i love that shit too and and that for some reason like reharming and reapproaching these 80s tunes is a lot of fun because typically they were pretty straight mm-hmm. so you can add some soul and groove to these songs that were tick 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 you know yeah. now you can kind of like make it your own a little bit oh, absolutely. you know what i mean and that's fun because these are anthemic iconic songs you know uh that tears for you know a bunch of tears for fear songs sure. but you can you can put your thing on it and and it's one of those things where you can see people like two verses in they're like why do i know yes why do i, I know that. this song and then they're like oh i know the chorus and the that, chorus you know, yeah, yeah, yeah like oh this is i've had people come up to me and and you know a lot of a lot of ways it's a compliment because you know there's yeah, I do. A, I do a handful of Coldplay songs. I specifically remember one time this guy came up to me. He's like, "I can't stand Coldplay, but I freaking love the way you did that. Yeah. I could listen to that all day." Yeah. So I yeah. think it was like my version of Clocks or something like that. But no, that's one of the fun things about doing what we do yeah. is it, and and covers again. Anyone that knows how to play guitar and sing can get up there and and, and perform it the way it's already been recorded. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the fun for me is taking something mm-hmm. and putting your own spin on it. Yeah. And you're putting your own approach. And, you know, while we were on break, I know we were talking about, um, um, you know, I really struggle with lyrics. I'm not mm-hmm. much of a writer. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I, I mean, 100% of the stuff that I do, I don't have any original music at all. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'd like to have starting hopefully mm-hmm. next year, 2023. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, that's how I can put my, that's the only mm. way I know how to put my originality mm. on these covers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I put my stamp it, on it. It scratches that itch right. on, on a level. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Are there any songs in your, in your set list that even to you, you're like, that's, uh, that's out of left field. It's just like a, like a <laughs> rando that you really enjoy playing. Um, or maybe something that, you know, it isn't really conducive to a singer songwriter approach. I don't know, man. I, I, 
I think everything that I that I do, I, I've you gotta like it mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's got you gotta be a fan of the song. I've never been one to, you know, do the top forty shit mm. you know mm. i to this day people only do play sweet caroline fuck off I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'm not allowed to use f-bombs on here yeah right. oh bomb away <laughs> um but god damn it unless you're dropping me a hundred and right i'll fake it right i'll fake. Right. i don't even have it in my list i don't even have it in my lyrics but right, right. you know if you if you at least drop a hundred in the tip jar i'll fake it i'll get you a verse right i know uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> enough to to fake it like right. that and you know freaking margaritaville or right. you know whatever but i I just I've never been a fan of those songs because every one of their brothers already butchered it. You right. know, I tell everyone like the, within a five mile radius of here, there's probably a dozen bands that are already playing that playing shit. It right it ain't now. gonna be me. Right. right. So I just I, I can't do it. But I don't yeah. really have at least off the off the top of my head, I don't really have anything that I, I consider kind of out of left field. But yeah. um I do a lot of obscure stuff. Yeah. Um a lot of B side stuff uh, that might be um, you know, some B-side Coldplay stuff. Um, um, there's a song by the, remember the band, the church back in the eighties, uh-uh. uh, under the Milky way, under the Milky way tonight. I don't know if yeah. I know that one. I do that one. Sometimes some people get it. Some yeah. people are like, I love that song. Yeah. I've had actually, I think I can count on one hand in the 20 plus years I've been doing this. That someone's come up and actually re- requested that song. Uh-huh, I'm just uh-huh. like, you know the church, you know. So wow, <laughs> and it gets exciting because people share that love of yeah. music with you. It's just like, oh, I love those guys, man. So yeah, yeah, it's it's neat. That's interesting. Yeah. So what's 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 next year look like for you? You're gonna keep releasing some some yeah. tunes. You're gonna Hope. get your studio dialed in. You're yeah. gonna keep working. You're hard working. You're hardworking. Gotta man stay pajama. busy, man. Yeah. Um, um, even if you know, even if you're not busy doing what we do, try to stay busy at home. Um, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, 2023, I, I really would like to have some original music. Mm-hmm. And I know we were kind of briefly talking about that during break as well. As um, uh, since I'm not good at the lyrical part of it, I'm better at the 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 music side of of uh a song Mm -hmm. dialing in you know or hearing guitar parts hearing piano parts hearing even so much as um vocal melody and things like that and even phrasing Mm. i can hear all that i can sit here and mumble a bunch of shit i can grab your guitar right now and play you three chords and pull a song out of my ass but will it Will it have lyrics? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, mm. that's definitely my weak point. So my goal is to collaborate. Um, I've been uh, kind of working with um, our mutual friend, Shannon Brown, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been helping with some some lyrics and stuff. And we've done some writing uh, with other mutual friends in the past stuff as well. And it's it's really easy. Mm. And um uh, I think that's that's important. It has to be easy. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be hard. Right. It needs to be something that um, you know everyone's on the same page and mm-hmm. uh, it just kind of flows, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think I remember, I remember asking you that too, you know, about you know your approach on songwriting and if you'd be interested in collaborating. Yeah, so man. Now that here we are on the yeah. microphone, I've got you. <laughs> and <laughs> let's, do <it. laughs> no. let's do it. But um, I want to at least come check out this studio. You man. should, man. I'm yeah. 15 minutes north, man. All right. 15 minutes away. Let's Love go it. grab some coffee, or I'll make some at home, and yeah, 
when you know well hang back i'll show you everything and and you have a you have a kit set up in that mm-hmm. room yeah, yeah i've got two of them nice not set up at the same yeah. time but um yeah i've got a couple different kits now yeah and i just recently got them last year okay um i i didn't have a kit wow. for the longest time yeah i was just doing so much stuff with guitar mm-hmm. and uh but I knew that I wanted to start recording last year and I bought this, this, uh, little, it's kind of like a bebop little cocktail Yamaha kit, mm-hmm. but it has like a 20 inch kick drum. It's, but it's only like four or eight inches deep. Right. Right. It's super cool. And it still sounds, it sounds like a freaking cannon. Yeah. I mean, so the drums that I'm using on those mixes for free falling and I'm, I'm on fire is that Yamaha kit. Huh. And they sound incredible. Yeah. So real, real small, shallow drums and stuff. Just one little ten-inch rack and a, I think it's a thirteen-inch little floor. Yeah, and uh, snare drum, man. Great hi hats, ride two crashes. That's it. That's great. Yeah, simple. Yeah, you know, less is more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you're Jeff Ockeltree looping, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, can't have it. All. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, that's great, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm psyched to hear some more of your recordings and. Uh, Me too. I see. <laughs> I see you out there grinding and and uh, you know another thing that is pretty unique is that you're also a family man and have kids and. And I'm always impressed with folks who can balance those two things because they almost kind of exist at opposite times, right? So, you know, how do you manage? I feel like a lot of, I'm I'm assuming, a lot of what your your job is to manage this time. Mm -hmm. So being a dad, being present, being a husband, and then... You know, you got dad's got to go to work, and you know, eight to eleven at night or whatever. So you, right. you, I'm sure that's hard to juggle. It is, uh, and it's very much a priority. Um, but uh, uh, so my my wife and I, we both actually work in the evening. Hmm. We wouldn't be able to do what we do if it wasn't for uh, her mom and dad. Hmm. They have they've been our saving grace as far as looking after Evelyn when we both working, she just recently went back to working graveyard shift Mm. last year Um, because of the pandemic and um, things like that. uh, She even kind of switched to part-time, which was, which was great. She went to part-time shortly after Evelyn was born. I was bringing in enough money for what I do to where I was able to kind of compensate, you know, what, what she wasn't making from full time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, last year, uh, she decided to, there was an opening for graveyard shift. She decided to go back to graveyard shift because she could actually double what she makes Mm. during the day. Mm. So she's been doing that for the past, I don't know, seven, eight months now. So having said that, um, she goes to work at like, you know, 6.30, 630 at night. And, you know, it's about the same time I'm typically starting a gig at six. So um and thankfully our uh, her folks live literally a stone's throw um down the street that's great so we're we both live on 24th street i'm on the um the uh on one side of cactus and they're on the other side of cactus great. yeah so and it's like literally a hop skip and a jump over there and well that's awesome yeah, i don't know how you do it without it right i mean without having we, like I said, we wouldn't be able to yeah. uh, well i mean without a sitter yeah. you know but you yeah. know we're we're so blessed to have them so uh mom and dad if you're listening thank you so much we love you <laughs> <laughs> we, we really wouldn't be able to do this with without you so yeah um yeah, it's a huge, huge blessing. Great. So awesome. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. Sharing, Thanks for having me. Sharing your story. It's been and, fun. And uh, continued success in uh, next year. And, and okay, we got a songwriting session together. And, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing more of, of the tunes. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited I'll, to hear some original shit, too. So. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send them your way Love when they're done, man. Thanks for having me. Good yep. to see you, brother. Thanks, Jeff. So the story goes.